and welcome to Just a Couple of Horrors. It's me, Brianda, here with you another week to bring you some weird, spooky shit. So, first thing is first, how are you? How are you doing today? You know, you survived a hurricane. Just, you know, it's kind of a big deal. (laughs) For those of you guys that, um don't live here in California. We had a hurricane. We had a hurricane Hillary, Hillary, and this is such a weird experience here in California because everybody thinks that California is so beautiful and we get sunshine year round and blah, 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 blah. Well, that might be true. You guys might hear like a little bell in the background and that's my cat, my new kitty cat. He's this black, beautiful kitty boy and his name is Midnight, Jonathan Midnight Jones is his name. So if you hear a little bell running around behind me, it's because this little shadow guy follows me around. But anyway, back to my hurricane. Um, yeah, the weather here in California is so weird that honestly, like getting a hurricane warning is not even out of this world anymore because honestly, you know, I've been to Florida enough times where I know what like the South and like tropical ish weather feels like that's what it's starting to feel like here like it feels kind of humid and just fucking weird and i'll be honest i'm kind of tired of this shit like we pay so california is such an expensive place to live and you think oh will you pay for the weather no the weather is shit here too so i'm just saying california if you're gonna keep this shit up i don't know if i want this anymore Okay. <laughs> Hi, kitty boy. Do you want to purr? Are you going to purr? Oh, my kitty is saying hello to you. You can't see him, but he's winking his eyes and purring very loudly into the microphone. But anyways, so I know I always take like a 27-week hiatus before I bring you guys a new episode, but you know, I just have a lot of stuff that I deal with um, for returning listeners, all three of you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. For returning listeners, you guys know that I'm, you know, dealing with the disappearance of my brother, um, Eddie. And he's been missing for over a year now and still no news. Um, nothing concrete. I did an interview with, um, uh, Canal 10, um, from Guadalajara in, in Mexico. And I'm hoping that by going, you know, on air and kind of, you know, describing my brother and who he was that, you know, somebody will see him and, you know, say something if, if they see him somewhere or know where he's at that somebody you know you see something you say something at the end of the day we're just you know trying to bring my brother home and it's a very sore and sensitive you know subject and um yeah I think I think I mean I had problems before obviously but I think that this is probably the thing that is kind of taking the biggest toll on my mom and I because you know we love my brother very dearly and it's really sad that I can see like this sucking the soul out of my mom like anything that was left of her any joy or laughter or anything like that it's just being like slowly sucked out of her and she's kind of like a shell you know and every day I wake up and I check like unidentified body websites to see if you know he's there or I check you know the Mexican you know 
TV Azteca. I check everything, you know, to see if there's any updates. I I literally do this every single day. And I think that maybe that's why this is like so hard is because like every single day I try to do something to, you know, have get some progress or get an update or get somebody to publish it in a new place that I haven't, you know, seen so that I could reach more people. And it's kind of like an everyday nightmare. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's like, I mean, I laugh, you know, my therapist says it's a coping mechanism. <laughs> no, but I mean, I laugh because I, I just don't know what else to do, you know, and it's just really hard to do anything. Like every day I wake up and like, this is what I think about, you know, and it's really hard to be present. It's really hard to like enjoy things thinking in the back of my head, like, where's my brother? Like, is he in a ditch somewhere? Is he being held somewhere? Like, has he eaten? Or is he like, you know, uh, uh, me is a, you guys have listened to my show enough to know that like, I'm have very morbid interests, but I just, I just, these are the things that I think about, you know? And it's just really, really hard to get through like, everyday life and you know I see people and I see how people live their lives and like don't talk to their families or have like a really shitty relationship with their siblings or their parents and I just think like oh my god what I would give (laughs) what I would give (laughs) to be able to you know talk to my dad who I think I told you guys this but he was um he was murdered like a, like maybe like 10 years, maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. And now my brother is missing, you know. So the PSA to this ramble <laughs> is talk to your family, y'all. Whatever, what, whatever reason, you know, you're beefing with your family, whatever the reason is, if it's stupid. I mean, unless it's like sexual assault or something like that, you know. Um, I think just talk to your family, y'all. Even if, even if you guys don't have beef, even if you're just not close, like, hey, you know what? Fucking text your brother or sister and just be like, hey, how are you? I thought about you, you know, because what I would give to be able to, you know, do that with my brother or, you know, yeah, text your family, (laughs) y'all. So today's topic is Urban Legends Volume 2. Now, the reason I decided to do a Volume 2 is because I was listening to this podcast called Superstitions. And they did a story that was so bizarre to me. I was like, this can't possibly be true. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole of trying to find the origin of whatever this story was. And it led me to finding, you know, all of these urban legends. So I thought, perfect, perfect segue. (laughs) A perfect segue to, you know, doing a volume two on urban legends. Now, today's um, resources uh, were CaminoWays.com, uh, Wikipedia, the mother of all resources, uh, Snopes.com, Fact Checker, um, uh, www.osalnes.com, the Culture Legends page, um, let's see, Monsters.Fandom.com, EliteDaily.com, and um did i already say snopes snopes.com for fact checking so here we go the first urban legend is the babysitter and the man upstairs a young couple living in a large isolated house had gone out to a dinner party one evening and left the babysitter in charge of their two children The children had been put to bed, and the babysitter was watching TV when the phone rang. 
She answered, but all she heard was a man laughing hysterically, and a voice said, I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. Thinking it was one of those phone calls, or a practical joke, she slammed down the receiver and turned the TV sound up. A short time later, the phone rang again and she picked up. The unmistakable hysterical laughter came down the line, and the voice again said, I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. Getting rather scared, she called the operator and was advised that she would not have to call the police. Should they call again, she should keep them on the line so they could trace the call. Minutes after she hung up, the phone rang again. I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. She tried to keep him talking. However, he must have guessed what she was trying to do because he hung up immediately. Only seconds after the phone rang, this time it was the operator who said, get out of the house straight away. The man on the phone is in on the extension. The babysitter put down the phone just as she heard someone coming down the stairs. She fled from the house and ran straight into the arms of the police. They burst into the house and found a man brandishing a large butcher's knife. He had entered the house through the upstairs window, murdered both children, and was coming down to do the same thing to the babysitter. Now, in some versions of this urban legend um the mysterious caller just laughs scarily maniacally instead of making threats in other stories um the number of children is different it'll be like one two however many and sometimes the girl actually sees the killer first before you know running out of the house in different versions, uh, the babysitter runs out of the house without seeing the murderer, and the police discover that one of the children upstairs is the one that's been making these prank calls. And another variation of this urban legend involves two babysitters, and after the first girl learns from the operator that the calls are coming from the upstairs phone, she you know, tries to go get her friend. As she approaches the stairs, she hears thumping coming down the stairs. And it's, you know, the killer dragging her friend's body down the stairs. All of these are very, you know, interesting. But when I was looking through this information, oddly enough, I found a different variation of this urban legend. In this variation of this urban legend, I actually saw, um, a vi- uh, I can't be- I can't remember if it was like on Beyond Belief or what show it was, but there's an actual ver- like video version of this one. So here goes. In an entirely separate version of this completely different urban story, urban legend, um, the clown statue or the clown doll in some versions as rather than being tormented by a menacing phone call the babysitter is unnerved by what she assumes is a hideous life-size statue of a clown in the corner of the room when the mother or father of the children she is caring for calls home to check in the babysitter asks if she can cover the clown statue with a blanket The parent informs the babysitter that they do not own a clown statue. And it turns out that the statue is the murderer with dwarfism that dresses in a clown costume um, so that they're, you know, least likely to be caught by police. Um, The murderer then attacks and kills the girl before she's able to escape. Um, So, yeah, different versions of this this babysitter you know story um the murderous small person pretends to be a clown doll instead of like you know a clown statue in other versions the room itself um can be the parents room or even the living room instead of it being just like the upstairs kids bedroom um another version the babysitter you know she's getting annoyed by the clown statue and before calling the parents to get permission to you know put the clown statue away um the clown statue moves you know 
or the babysitter uses a cover sheet or something you know throws a sweater on it and then it's like oh it moves um in other versions the intruder is a perverted uh you know unhoused person or a ghost clown who died in the family's home instead of it being you know a serial killer but yeah some really cool references to this babysitter and the man upstairs um story is a 1979 movie called when a stranger calls um which is really good if you haven't checked it out um but yeah the plot is based on this urban legend another popular culture reference of this story is black christmas when it's pretty much you know uh, a murder person hiding in the sorority sorority um house's attic and he keeps calling and you know telling him weird stuff after he's killing you know the girls inside the house and then another one if you guys haven't seen this movie please check it out I remember being like, I don't know, like 10 years old, if no, eight years old. Um, But Urban Legends, if you haven't seen Urban Legends, you should definitely check it out because it has like, I don't want to say it's comedic, but it has kind of, you know why? Because it's, because it's an older movie. It's like what, 18 years Oh, oh my gosh. No, no, I can't be 18 years old. It's very it's very old. It's from 1998, Urban Legends. It just has like a different feel to it. And I think because we're like in 2023, we have so much access to knowledge and CGI and effects. Just everything kind of feels like a little a little cheesy, a little funny if you watch it, but it's definitely worth a watch. But yeah, that's the urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs now the next urban legend that i want to talk to you guys about is the actual story that led me to doing urban legends volume two and i like i was telling you guys earlier i heard this story on a podcast um it, uh superstitions shout out to superstitions uh by podcast podcast you know hook a girl up um but yeah, this I, I heard this story and I was like, what? <laughs> As if being on the dating scene isn't hard enough. You know, if you're a single person, you know, you're just trying to, you know, get out there and meet people. And it, dating is hard, obviously, you know, and this story just shook me. It shook me to my core. So, um, okay. It's kind of a modern retelling of of a previous story. So here's this. I'm not going to give you guys the title of it because it doesn't really have a title, but you'll get you'll get what I'm talking about. I called it Necro UTI, which. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> OK, so listen up. Um, a woman named Jacqueline who goes by the username Jackie Jackass on Twitter recently shared a story about an STI um, one of her friends allegedly caught from a Tinder date. So it goes on to this Twitter thread, again, genius retelling, great use of current, you know, technology and platforms. And it's like in small consumable bite-sized pieces that lure you into this like juicy ass gossip, cheese masterpiece, right? So I'm going to read you guys the the tweets, the Twitter thread. Um, I've been told by so many people, I've told this story to so many people, but I'm about to tell all of Twitter the craziest real life true story I heard this week. This girl, she's real, went on a Tinder date with this guy, first date. So the date goes well and they hook up after the date. They have sex or whatever and she lets this guy come all over her face and her chest. Well, the next day she wakes up with a rash all over her face and chest area where he came. So she reaches out to him and lets him know that she got a rash so that she's going to the doctor. She goes to the doctor and the doctor says, it's not any type of STD, STI, so we'll have to see a dermatologist. 
she ends up going to the dermatologist and the dermatologist tells her that she has tiny parasites under her skin where the rash is. The dermatologist says that there's only two ways a man could get these type of parasites in his semen. One, if he's having sex with animals or two, sex with dead people. So she looks up this guy on Facebook and guess where he works? A morgue. Crazy, right? <laughs> okay, so in June 2010, the, Ulti- the Malta Independent reported a, a similar gruesome, scary-ass tale that had been, um, you know, going all over the area. And it was a, a, it was a really salacious story that this mortuary, it was a rumor, that, um, you know, that, that this person that was working in, in the mortuary was doing, you know, weird stuff. Could there be such a scenario in real life, though? Um... No, according to Snopes, that this, despite that some of these versions of this urban legend have like little pieces that you would believe, there are no special corpse worms whose presence on the living would immediately announce that you had, you know, sex with a dead body. Um, so, yeah, I thought when I heard this story, I was like, hold on, hold on, Let, let's just... Let's just back up for a second. This girl goes on a Tinder date. She's like, oh, this guy's really cool. I'm going to sleep with him. She ends up sleeping with him and she gets a UTI, right? Which that would really suck alone, just alone by itself. Just getting a UTI from like this dude that you just met, right? And it ends up being freaking parasites right and you're just sitting there thinking like man how did i get here how did i go from like having a really nice night with some some dude i just met ended up liking him and now i have fucking parasites and then worst is that they tell you look the only way that you can get these parasites is if they're having sex with animals or having sex with a corpse and you're like bleh like at that point I would just rip my skin off I would just like Jesus take the wheel like I'm done here I I don't want to be here anymore right and I yeah this this story just like really fucking sent me for a loop you know so the way that the the pod, the podcast where I heard this story, the way that they were telling the story is that, yeah, like the girl ends up like, conf- you know, she ends up like going to the dermatologist and she, they tell her like, yeah, the only way that you can get this is through, you know, like sex with animals or um, having sex with a corpse, right? So she finds the guy on Facebook and like, sure enough, he works at a morgue. So she's like... I am going to fucking confront this man. So she sends him a text message and she's like, hey, like, do you want to meet up? Let's have lunch. And he was like, yeah, like I can meet you after work. And she's like, oh, well, there's this like restaurant, you know, it's right here. The restaurant happened to be like close by to the morgue. So he's like, perfect, I can, you know, meet you on my lunch. And she's like, great. So instead of going to the restaurant, she arrives like, I don't know, like an hour early. And she walks over to the morgue and she walks in. The front area is unattended. There's no one, you know, there's no one in the front reception area. So she walks past to where she finds like the embalming area. Which again, you know, this is definitely a an urban legend because I don't assume that you can just walk into a mortuary and be like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> there's no one here. Let me go to the embalming room. Like, you, I don't really think that you can just walk waltz into the embalming area, you know, but whatever. For the sake of the story, she walks into like the embalming room and she's like, hello, Jimmy. You know, and it's like quiet, you know, kind of cold. 
and she's like hello and she's like kind of walking around and she finds this like little room and as like the door is cracked open and she hears like kind of like rustling around in there and she's like uh what the hell like i must have walked in on somebody you know getting embalmed or what have you and as she approaches the the door that's cracked open she like pushes the door open slowly and she sees little jimmy lover boy on top of a woman's corpse you know pants to the ankles and just doing the deed to this woman's corpse right and she's like oh my god and he's like ah oh my god and then they're both like ah oh my god you know and she like runs out of the room and he does the stereotypical jumps off like wait wait uh stephanie wait i can explain it's not what it looks like and she's like oh i know what it looks like you're having sex with a dead body you know so yeah so that was that was how the story was told when i first heard it and i just thought like i'm sorry what what are we just saying right here like imagine being out in the dating as if the dating scene wasn't shit already right you run the risk of like getting catfished you run the risk of the person you you know the person that you're talking to that their picture is like five years old and that they don't look anything now to what they did you know from that picture or you run the risk of you know fucking getting stood up or getting ghosted or or worse that this person is like a creep and like tries to you know be pushy with you or tries to like put something in your drink or is it just a complete asshole and you know just all of that right but then you're like you know what i think i find a person that i really like and you're like yeah i'm gonna sleep with this person and then you do and you get fucking parasites under your skin like new fear unlocked (laughs) new fear fucking unlocked right but yeah so that was (laughs) I love this urban, I love this urban tale. I love this ur- urban legend because it just kind of pulls at different aspects of like, you know, it's kind of like a cautionary tale telling you pretty much like, what is this trying to tell you? You know, don't have sex with randos. I don't know. I actually don't even know what the point of the story is, but either way, I thought it was very interesting, right? Okay, so the next, the next urban legend, and this one too, I know I saw this in a video somewhere, um, again, I want to say it was, uh, Beyond Belief, which is, like, one of the greatest fucking shows ever made, I love Beyond Belief, like, that scary-ass intro, like, and it's, like, a tunnel of light, and you gotta pick, they show you, like, three or four stories, and you gotta pick which ones are true, oh, fucking masterpiece of a show. But anyway, this story is called, um, this urban legend is called the Choking Doberman, right? And the first viable appearance of this legend was in the Phoenix Times on June 24, 1981. And it was called the Gagging Dog Story, Baffles Police. So here we go. It happened in Las Vegas. A woman returned from work and found her large dog, a Doberman, lying on the floor, gasping for air. Concerned over her animal's welfare, she immediately loaded her pet into the car and drove him to the vet. The vet examined the dog, but finding no reason for his breathing difficulties, announced that he had to perform a tracheotomy and inserted tube down the animal's throat so that he could breathe. He explained that it wasn't anything that she'd want to watch and urged the woman to go home and leave the dog overnight. When the woman returned home, the phone was ringing off the hook, 
She answered it and surprised to discover it was the vet. Even more surprising was his message. Get out of the house immediately. Go to the neighbors and call the police. It seems that the vet had performed the operation and found a very grisly reason for the dog's breathing difficulty. Three human fingers were lodged in the dog's throat. Concerned that the person belonging to the dismembered fingers might still be in the house, he called the woman to alert her. According to the story, the police arrived at the house and found an unconscious intruder, Sans Fingers, lying in the closet. New York Times learned of this story from an employee of a large industrial plant in the valley. Said to ha- he said he had gotten the story third hand from an employee who in turn had heard it from a woman whose relatives in Las Vegas knew the dog's owner. As of Friday, the New Times has not been able to nail down the identity of the Doberman's owner. According to the spokesman at the Las Vegas Sun, the paper, the paper too was very interested in the breaking story. Unfortunately, even though the story was all over Las Vegas, the paper, the police were not able to dig up information or a shred of evidence to prove the incident ever occurred. The police are baffled, the Sun spokesman said. Right? Right? Okay, so there's variations to the story as there are with all of these. Right? Um, The first variation is that the number of fingers in the doggy's throat, right? And one of the most interesting variations is the color of the fingers, right? There's some tellings that, you know like it's geared towards race right they're like there was three fingers three black male fingers or you know two brown fingers you know kind of like adding to the racial spin in there um in the 1980s a doberman was uh, uh usually the star of the story but in the 1990s the dog that was used was um a pitbull right because like pitbulls were kind of like known to be fierce dogs they were also popping up in like a lot of um movies or you know like videos and stuff like that pitbulls being like ferocious right um in a variation, the thief is discovered usually like hiding in the closet or the bedroom or even the basement. Um, in some tellings, the he's he's able to get away and they they like never find him. Um, but they find like traces of blood like all over the house or what have you. Um, usually, usually the dog's owner is a female and usually they kind of make it known that she lives alone right which would make sense you know if you're a single woman living in the city or what have you you know you would have a you would want to have a a little companion someone to feel to help you feel that you're protected right most of the time the dog's presence in the woman's life um you know, passes uncommented, nothing of the dog's history or the reason for keeping him or anything like that is ever given. Uh, We're just told that the dog, you know, once in a while, we're told that the dog was like given to her by her father when she was going away to college or, you know, that Oh, that, um, you know, she got a divorce and in the wake of her divorce, she took the dog with her um, for protection or what have you, you know. The origins of this story, tales about guard dogs found, you know, choking on burglars' fingers were popping all over, you know, um, the 1980s and even in the 1990s. But again, all efforts to track down this widespread urban legend, um have never come back to show something like factual, you know, Um, which is really interesting because this urban legend is so cool to me too, you know, it's kind of, it plays on those fears of like being, you know, a single, uh, a single woman living by yourself and like, you know, and somebody breaking into your home and you like not being aware of it, you know, and your dog being 
being the best doggy in the world, you know, protecting you. And it's just, it's such a good story. I love it. Okay. Our next story is called Santa Compaña. Now, the reason I chose this story, there's a specific reason I chose this story because prior to me doing this topic, I had actually never heard of it. Well, no, I had never heard of it being called this, Santa Compaña. But the reason that I chose this is because my last name, Gallegos, I have two last names, Gallegos Esparza. Gallegos is from a very specific region um, in Spain, Galicia, right? Which is like part of the Iberian uh, Peninsula. So when I found that this urban legend comes from this region, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> mother motherland. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought, oh, this is a really cool story, you know. I know a lot of urban legends about like my Mexican heritage. You know, I was born and raised in um, Apatzingan, Michoacan, and I lived there for a couple years. I went to school there and I, you know, we ended up moving to the United States when I was like about six and I haven't gone back since. Well, that's not true. I went back uh, October to go try to find my brother at the at the morgue at the semifinal but anyway um yeah so i know a lot about like you know mexican urban legends and folk stuff like that but i never i have never really kind of explored that like spaniard side in our family um which i thought hey you know what let me take a look right so here we go the Santa Compaña, or the Holy Company, is a deep-rooted mythical belief in the rural, rural northwest of Iberia, Galicia, Asturias, Asturias, Spain, and in northern northern Portugal. It is an Iberian version of the pan-European mythical motif known as the Wild Hunt, also known as the Hostess. Estadea, Compaña, or Gente de Muerte, the Holy Company. Its origin is rooted in European legends belonging to the Middle Ages. In them, the appearance of a group of dead, lost souls, dressed in robes, um, and the procession of souls, etc., etc., right? The Santa Compaña uh, is feared by most Galatians. This is a very unique procession of restless souls wanders about after midnight, favoring crossroads in the country lanes and being particularly active on special nights such as Halloween, but also in midsummer. So picture this. The procession is headed by a living person whose gender depends on the patron saint, uh, of the parish or you know whoever's around and they carry a cross and a cauldron of holy water this person is forced to walk in front of the compaña every night and not being able to remember it the next day that person is also unable to free itself due to him or her being a victim of a curse the only way that the person can free themselves is by finding another person at night to be able to give them the cross and the cauldron. If the living leader does not do this soon, the health of this person will worsen night after night until they die. Right? So some versions of this urban legend say that the procession is accompanied by an animal, generally a goat, one that is um, members is cripple. The member is always at the end of the line. Another legend says that the procession carries a coffin without a lid, which has a person inside of it who can be seen in the from the outside. This person can even be one of the um, one who sees the compaña, you know, not like 
It's like their astral body, not like their physical body, you know. Not everyone is able to see the procession. Only people who are going to die soon, less than a year, or people who were wrongly baptized with oil of the dead instead of holy water are able to see the procession. Other people can only feel its presence and other versions of this are only able to see the lights of the candles, right? So the compañía can appear for several reasons. So just imagine this, right? You're just like minding your own business. It's like, eh, I think I'm going to go get a, you know, cup of water. And you're over there getting a cup of water. And you look out the window and you see one guy carrying a cross and a cauldron. And you see, I don't know, 10 people walking behind him in hooded cloaks carrying a coffin, right? And you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) You're saying, oh, shit, you know, because you know what it means. You know that that this procession of people, you know, the scary ass, you know, hooded cloaks with the candles and the lights and all of that. They're there for a reason, right? And it's to like ferry the souls of somebody who just died or that someone who is about to die, right? So it's like a really bad omen. And it's just scary as shit, I guess. I don't know. Now, there are some ways to avoid um, the Santa Compañía and the and the curse that it carries, right? Um, if you are like having, you know, for some reason, you're on a night stroll and you cross paths with the Santa Compañía, this, this procession, you're supposed to lie down and play dead. The Compañía will not notice you but it will walk over you. You may be injured, but at least you won't be brought into the procession, you know, and like killed (laughs) or cursed, right? Another way that you can avoid harm or the curse uh, is you open your arms, forming a cross with your body and announce Jesus Christ before they try to give you the cross, right? Because remember, the only way... So the procession is headed by a living person, right? And this living person, the longer that they continue to to lead, to be the line leader for, you know, death, um, they get sick, they get ill, they their life force is being drained, right? So while they're there, I'm like sure that they would pa- would want to pass the torch on to somebody else. And that's the only way that you could break the curse or you die, right? Um, now, when somebody tries to give you the cross, uh, it, it will say, te toca a ti, or, it, you know, it's your turn. And you have to respond by, cruz ya tengo. And it pretty much means, I have, I've got a cross already. Before taking the cross, they will try to pass it to you. And you just, you know, you already say, I already have a cross and you don't take it, right? Another way is to draw a circle on the ground and you enter the circle um, and they'll not be able to, you know, touch you. Some some versions say that it, you just draw a circle and then some versions say that you have to do like Solomon seal, which, oh my goodness, that is my cat tearing up my couch. Cat. So... Sorry, I just threw my chapstick at him. Um, so some of them say you can just do a circle, but others say that it has to be like the seal of Solomon, Solomon's seal. And if you don't know what Solomon's seal is, whew, let's get into the emerald tablets. No, but so it's, you know, like King Solomon from like the Bible. And they said that he was like super duper wise and he like knew everything darker side of the story talks about how like the king king solomon was so 
fucking wise that he started to get into like the dark arts you know and um hence the emerald tablet which was which was like a book in which he like notated how you can summon like demons and conjure and like necromancing and just like a whole bunch of weird shit and shit that the bible doesn't say right um and the seal is one of of protection uh, according to this legend the seal is of protection but in the tap the uh, you know the emerald tablets or the um what is it called Hermes, yeah Hermes too it, it's like a bunch of seals that you can use to like conjure shit to like make things happen for you to summon demons etc etc right so another way is to have your arms um you know just on the sides of you or carry something in both of your hands like rocks or sticks or whatever so when they try to hand it to you you're like my arms are full man i can't take your cross i can't be the line leader i'm already like you know doing something else another way is to have a pocket with some beetle horns and garlic i don't even know how you get beetle horns you know it's kind of weird but whatever um and if you see the santa compaña from far away another way to avoid them is to just turn around and walk the other way you know um because the santa compaña can't abandon its path when it's like doing its procession you know like it's not going to move for you for anybody so the but the safest route is to just move out of the way right and this urban legend was very interesting to me because i've seen pictures of this i've seen pictures of this and i'm going to post pictures on on the instagram and and you know tiktok and all of that all the social medias so you guys can see because i'm sure that like 99% of y'all have actually seen this picture but it just didn't have a it just didn't have a name for it and it's like like i said you know it's like a living person carrying a cross in a cauldron and then like i don't know five, ten hooded people walking behind them sometimes there's like a grim reaper sometimes there's like a goat at the end and they're like it's like a procession of 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 the dead you know and they're walking to their next to their destination and if you cross their paths then you get pulled into and like you're dead you know or worst you end up having to lead be the line leader and lead the procession and like you're stuck and every day you repeat this cycle over and over and over again you know so it's it's really interesting to me that this urban legend comes from such a specific region in Spain like i said galacia which is like the land of the gallegos my last name which is why i picked it um but that it says that only some people can see the whole procession right and if you see it it means like your numbers up like you're going to die soon and it's like what do you do with that information like if you're just minding your business and then you have like a that so raven <laughs> like little moment and you're like oh oh shit i'm going to die in one year like what do you do with that information right like what do you do do you like say like thug life and like fuck everything and just live life to you to the fullest or do you try, like what do you do what do you do with that information you live in fear the rest of your one year life and not only that but like now that you saw the procession like I would think that you would feel like it's like haunting you, coming after you. Would you even be able to enjoy your last moments, you know? So it's just very very interesting to me, like a, like a it's not a premonition, but it's like a precursor to like, hey, you're going to fucking die soon, you know? And there's like absolutely nothing that you can do about it. Like once once you seen it, <laughs> once you seen it, I guess that's the number for you. And worse, if you accidentally cross its path and you're like, "Oh shit," you know? Um so yeah, that that's that's urban legends, you know? And urban legends are just so interesting to me, you know? Like culturally, I think like why do we spread these creepy stories with obscure, you know, obscure origins with like little to no evidence? It's these like juicy and intriguing events that lure us in with gruesome details that are just too good not to tell somebody. And 
I mean, honestly, like, what is an urban legend if not, like, really good, really good chisme or gossip, you know, with, like, a little sprinkle of of cautionary elements that are passed down from, you know, whispering girls in the girls' bathroom or, you know, children in a campfire story or teenagers, you know, um, out at night at an overpass, you know, just, it's just very, very interesting and... was the maintenance people (laughs) coming to my house to fix my dishwasher sorry about that but yeah i mean you know after all these cautionary tales you're trying to tell us something right and danger is everywhere so you know beware don't end up being the inspiration to someone's urban legend (laughs) That's all for today, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Please don't forget to share the episode with someone you love, someone you hate. Um, You know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's just a couple of horrors podcast pod. If you have a story you want to share for one of the personal horror episodes, it's at just a couple of horrors podcast at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, I periodically post on the Instagram creepy facts as well as on a TikTok, just a couple of horrors pod. So that's it for today. I hope you guys have a great and wonderful day. Uh, treat people how you want to be treated, live long and prosper. Uh, the force be with you. Mm, one moment on the lips equals a lifetime on the hips. Uh, goodbye.